Move the World is partnering with the Readiness Lab, the home for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. I'm George Siegel, and this is the Move the World podcast. Every week, we feature interviews with people dedicated to making the world a better place. Thank you for joining me on this week's Move the World podcast. Our goal every week is to introduce you to people who are doing something to try to make the world a better place. So I think you're really going to benefit from our guest today. My guest today is Hans Kuhlberg. He is a serial entrepreneur, has started an education nonprofit called Open Dreams, equalizing access to university scholarships for low-income students, helping over 200 students gain full scholarships to universities around the world, an organization that he calls his proudest achievement. And he's also written um, quite a, ch- a children's book that we're going to talk about. Hans, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, George. It's nice to be here talking with you today. Hans, the first question that I like to ask to all of my guests, tell me what you do to move the world. Yes. Uh, so I, I run a nonprofit. That's an education nonprofit helping lower the barriers of uh, education around the world, specifically university education. So uh, with the goal of equalizing access to quality education, we work with high-achieving, low-income students, um, mostly in Africa, at getting um, them access to scholarships in, in universities, not just uh, getting acceptance to universities, but also uh, getting them access to um, entering uh, a playing field that um, has has long uh, kind of been denied to, to a lot of really high-achieving uh, ta- high talent. Uh, around the world. Um, that's, that's been my, my pride and passion, uh, my nonprofit that I've been running with my, my co-founders uh, for the last seven years. However, um, due to an unfortunate, uh, tragic experience um, to my family, um, I've, I've really dedicated my life. Um, this happened last year. I, I've dedicated my life towards um, you know, spreading the, the love, the light, the joy, uh, of my dear daughter Aviva, through a lot of different acts of service and acts of helping others, um, you know, one is is spreading my, spreading the message through a children's book, but another is is really speaking about uh, the most tragic loss that any parent can experience uh, of losing a child, uh, what that looks like on the inside, um, and really, you know, how supporters, families, friends, colleagues. Um, can really best support um, those that are going through uh, a really unimaginable experience. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I speak for most parents. I can't even imagine the pain that that, that must have been for your family with, with that kind of loss. I mean, I have five children and, you know, I, I get upset over the little things. And then when something tragic happens, I mean, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. So I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, get, getting back to the... Um, the, the, the nonprofit that you set up, because I want, I want to talk about the book that you've written and everything, but how did you get into doing that? That's not kind of like a mainstream thing where you go, Hey, I think I'll help all these kids over in Africa that, that can't get scholarships. What, what got you in that direction? Yeah. So, so George, I was actually um, watching that, that film that you actually made a license to parent. Um, so this is, this is just recently. And I, I noticed that one of the guiding paths or passion or driving forces behind that was really um, knowing that the paths of life um, are really set by the family in a, in a big part of sense. And, and 
uh, nobody really has control over where they're born. Um, you know, what family they're born into, what condition they're born into. Um, and it's something that really stuck with me at a very early age when my parents, uh, both immigrants to this country in the United States, uh, my father's from Sweden, my mother's from the Philippines. Um, they came to the United States uh, to pursue their PhD, um, to get a higher education, and then really go out and, and, and get you know, good jobs and do good things with the world and really instill their children um, with education. However, I, I know for a fact that that is not the case um, with all children that are born into this world. But I do believe in uh, the theory of tabula rasa, um, meaning every child is born with a blank slate. Every child has a ability that can be shaped you know, through their environment um, and what environment they actually do go through um, is, is something that many of us don't get to choose. And so um, that's been the, the guiding you know, force be behind um, open dreams. Um, and it really is that, it, you know, we're, we're trying to access, you know, education and, and open their dreams um, for as many children as, as we can. Um, and so just to touch on, you know, how we founded Open Dreams, we, we really started um, with an idea. Um, this was uh, planted by a, a seed um, when my one co-founder, um, Christina, she met um, a gentleman from uh, Cameroon uh, studying at the London School of Economics. They were both students there. Um, uh, this gentleman, was uh, his name is Blaise Buma. He grew up in a very small, poor farming village in Cameroon, um, didn't really have access to, to really understand what the process is, how to navigate um, getting into a Western or even, you know, uh, any, any university for that matter. Um, high achieving student, uh, number one in his class, um, he came across uh, a volunteer worker who was in Cameroon just passing by, and he really befriended her and said, hey, will he help me navigate this, you know, SAT, this TOEFL process, this college application and, and getting the scholarship? Um, which she did, and she did virtually. She went back to the United States. She was able to connect through, uh, at that time, Skype and, and, and WhatsApp and Facebook um, and email and really be able to give him the guidance, that support and structure of, of saying, these are the steps that you need to do. These are the scores you need to have. Um, this is kind of how you navigate the process. And uh, by the way, let me try to figure out if there's you know, scholarships that are geared towards um, students from your background. And, and, you know, because of that uh, model, um, you know, she really helped him accelerate and, and he eventually got not one, but three uh, full scholarships um, to three different schools. He went to Washington Lee University in the United States, ended up going to London School of Economics uh, for, for his grad program. Um, and then eventually uh, he just graduated Harvard Business School last year. Um, and he's doing really great things um, now back in Africa, actually. Um, working on on uh, really cool projects, but um, but because of that initial uh, meeting between him, Christina, uh, and then eventually myself, um, when when they told me about his journey and his path, um, you know, being an entrepreneur and 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 really loving replicable models, um, I said, you know, this is really a great model that we can actually replicate. We have a lot of friends that are passionate that could be mentors. Um, there's a lot of great talent out there. Let's connect that and, and bridge that di digital divide, which, you know, this world is becoming a much smaller place. And, and um, all you really need is a connection to the internet and a computer, which I, I would say that is not a given, um, especially yeah. in, in Cameroon where we work, um, having internet, having electricity 
uh, you know, which goes out every single day without fail, you know, whether it's 20 minutes or two hours, um, is not, is not always a guarantee. And so, um, what we do is try to provide those resources, um, as well as, you know, a, a defined place where, where students can work, um, and then give them guidance through, um, it started with just 10 mentors and, and 10 mentees. And, and through the years we've helped, you know, over 200, as, as you said, over 200 students gain, uh, full scholarships to universities around the world. Um, many more have come through our program. Unfortunately, not all can get full scholarships, but, sure. um, but we do try to help as, as many as we can through undergrad as well as graduate programs. And, um, it's, it's just really taken on a life of its own. Um, we're now a registered, um, a UN consultative agency. So we, we help the UN, um, on issues that are on the ground in Cameroon and, and really the sky's the future. So, um, the sky's the limit rather, but, um, really just trying to, to really, um, you know, help as many individuals that we can. Sure. I, I love what you're doing on a lot of different levels. First of all, you're helping people that, that probably would have a much different life if you weren't able to get in and help them. But you really embody what I wanted this podcast to be about, which is people that have an idea or a thought of something they want to do that could make a difference. And they might just sit on it for years. They might just think, ah, I can't do it. There's, it's going to be too hard. But you actually did it. And, and when you tell a story like that, you're changing lives. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a very proactive person and I, I don't like sitting still. I, I really think, you know, if you have a really good idea, you should act on it. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I think not all my ideas uh, are, are successes, definitely not. Um, but when there's, you know, that, that reward of actually helping so many people, which to me, you know, having sold a couple of businesses in the past, you know, this is, this is really what gives me the most pleasure. Um, it, it gives me uh, a lot of fulfillment, knowing that, um, you know, going by that, you know, teach a man the fish rather than give a man the fish, you know, giving them the tools of education really helps elevate their entire platform, entire entirety of what they can do in their lives um, and really give them that uh, key to really unlock all of their, um, all of their goals and ambitions. And so um, education is, is important to me. Um, there's a lot of other, you know, great initiatives from climate change to, um, you know, feeding you know, the hungry, but education, I think has that, um, you know, that, that power to really, uh, perpetuate, um, throughout their community, throughout their families and, and really uplift, not just one individual, but their entire, uh, you know, uh, network. So, yeah. And the example you gave went full circle. The, the young man that came over here and, and seemed to excel in education then goes home and uses that to help his people. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and um, it's, it's what we really preach. We, we don't want to, um, you know, be a brain drain and have a lot of our high achieving scholars. This is one, you know, critic that uh, criticism that that is, is, you know, valid, you know, we, we don't want our, our scholars to leave and not necessarily come back and, and be the doctors and the engineers and the social leaders that, that we have. And, um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for growth, but um, what we do instill in our program is actually uh, a community service requirement so that our students can get out into their community, you know, do something as simple as planting trees or picking up trash and really understand the problems that they have so that when they go into the classroom as freshmen in college, they can then come back and, and really have a sense of, of what they want to do. Because as any college student knows, that's the thing at, at the top of your mind. What are you going to do when you graduate? Um, having a sense of what you want to do is, is really important. 
Um, and so we try to give them that connection to the community. Awesome. So tell me about baby uh, Aviva orangutan diva. Yeah. So um, baby Aviva orangutan diva. It is uh, a labor of love is a heartfelt tribute from, uh, from a broken hearted father um, to his dear baby girl, uh, to, to um, my own daughter, baby Aviva. And, um, and so it's for, for me, um, when, when my daughter uh, tragically passed away last November, 2020, um, you know, not many people got a sense, a, a chance to know her. Um, one of the things at, at her celebration of life, um, you know, usually you see uh, a lot of people saying, you know, this is how this person impacted me, or this is how this person, you know, a funny story about this person even, or, you know, you, you, you tend to, um, remember a lot of those highlights in, in that person's life. However, when, when Aviva uh, died, um, there weren't that many people that I actually got that chance to know her. Even my own brother never got a chance to meet her. And so um, my, my purpose with this book <clears throat> is to really, is to really spread that, um, you know, spread her personality, her character, her, her um, uh, the love that she had. Uh, she was just you know, such a lovable little, little daughter and, um, and, and, and spread that with all of the other friends and family members that did not get the chance to meet her. Um, that did not get the chance to to get to um, be in her presence, and so it's a fun, creative medium um, to do so. You know, when it, I actually wrote the script to this book um, just a week or so after she died, um, because uh, I just had all this emotion that that I just needed to express and and, and get out through um, in our in an artistic way, and so. Um, so the messages in the book, um, they're about teamwork. They're about uh, overcoming ad ad adversity through perseverance, um, problem solving in a creative manner. Um, but then finally, um, and most importantly, being true to yourself um, while also doing something good for the community. And all of those messages are kind of encapsulated uh, in, in, uh, in a really uh, cute way, I, I would say, um, you know, a, a way that would be um, enlightening for small readers and, and large readers, you know, parents and kids alike and, uh, and, and entertaining as well. So, um, there's a lot that I want to do with the book and, and getting that message out about baby Aviva orangutan diva is, is very important to me. So I hope I didn't pull a message out that maybe I, that, that wasn't intended, but it's, there was a certain fearlessness about the, the main character, uh, going over there to get those bananas and not being afraid of, the danger that, or confronting the danger along the way. Was that any element that you were writing or is that just my way of, uh, is that my interpretation? Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, I remember going back to my own grade school. I remember archetypes and, and really archetypes being, you know, representations and symbolism of, of things that are for like real in real life. And so, um, you know, in this book, uh, this little orangutan who doesn't have, you know, any, any strength or any, any kind of, um, you know, she's a small diminutive, um, you know, creature that, that loves to sing and dance. And she doesn't really, uh, she wouldn't strike you as the brave person, um, that, that you would uh, nominate to go ahead and, and, and try to get this bananas across this river filled with crocodiles, as well as in this jungle that was protected by the, these tigers. Um, however, what she can do, uh, is, is really sing and dance. And, and that's kind of her, 
her gift, um, you know, really her, her superpower, if you will. And she gets across the river uh, with the help of her friend, Sophia, um, the elephant, and, and she swings into the, uh, the trees. She confronts that tiger. She sees the tiger growling. He's like, <laughs> right beneath uh, the tree. And uh, she sees the bananas right behind him. And she's frightful at first. She's fearful. Um, however, uh, what she thinks to herself and what she knows is, you know, hey, I can sing and dance. Like that's, that's really what, what I have. She starts singing. And then lo and behold, a few minutes later, the, uh, the tiger starts dancing to the rhythm and dancing to the beat. Um, and then eventually they, they both end up dancing together and become really good friends. And so, um, you know, that's another message about not judging a, a book by its cover. Um, really any friend or any potential enemy that you might come across, you could be, uh, could be your best friend as well. Um, but the more powerful message is, is really uh, to kids. You know, there's a lot of things that, that we might be afraid of. Um, we might be afraid of um, going to a new school or uh, a bug or, or maybe the monsters in the closet, whatever it is, there's, um, there's things that um, we face along the way in terms of adversity. Uh, for my daughter, it was uh, several trips to the hospital. Um, but I think, you know, thinking outside the box and not trying to, um, you know, defeat this victim with, with brute force, if you will. Um, but, you know, looking within you and kind of deciding, you know, what do I have to, to offer to, to, to solve this problem um, is really the underlying message there. Yeah. Now it's tough writing children's books. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. I've written two and, you know, I probably have a warehouse full of them because it, it's hard to, it, it's hard to find an audience for them. How's the book doing and, uh, and how would people get their hands on it? Yeah, so the book is doing uh, fairly well. It's, it's it's hit the number one bestseller on Amazon in a few different categories. Awesome. Um, we're just about a hundred reviews. Um, you know, I I don't want to speak for for the audience, but you can go ahead and, and read the reviews on Amazon as well as any other uh, bookstore out there, Barnes and Noble, Kobo. Um, there's an audio version as well. Um, I, I've narrated that. had a, had a lot of fun doing that, um, and and really. You know, uh, the illustrations have been um, the thing that people really love, the illustrations as well as the rhyming um, uh, narrative, because um, I read a lot of children's books with, with my own uh, kids. And, um, and I know that, you know, when you read it for the 25th time, you kind of want, want it to be something, um, you know, something that the parents like as well. So there's a, there's a little, some hidden things um, that parents would understand that, that kids might not um, as well. And, and um and yeah, the illustrations really make it pop and, and kind of has, have brought it to life. And so um, that whole creative process has been uh, really fun uh, working with Carl, uh, the illustrator on, on this book. And, um, and we do plan to have uh, a second one in store um, probably coming up next year. So that's awesome. And, you know, it's nice when a book, you know, that's what that's the beauty of The Simpsons. And to me, the frustration with shows like Barney, Barney, kids watch it, parents want to pull their hair out. But when a parent reads your book and they can actually enjoy it too, especially since they're going to have to read it a hundred times, that, that certainly helps. Yeah, no, no. I, that, I mean, I definitely took a parent's approach. Um, I have two other, other kids, so, so three total, but um, I know what it's like to, you know, read the same book again and again. So I <laughs> want to make yeah. it a little bit creative and entertaining as well. So it can be uh, mind numbing. Yeah. But I, actually to tell you the truth, um, 
we just had an offsite for, for the, for my main job that I do. And, and, um, and in it, you know, it's, it's, I, I actually use the book for a lot of different business lessons um, that, that I was actually sharing with the team. And, and a lot of these lessons can actually be applied in the adult life. You know, a lot of times, you know, we get scared. Um, there's a lot of times that we should, you know, ask for help, um, which was this book, you know, touches on and team, the, the importance of teamwork, not, you know, not trying to be a lone wolf. And, and um, I really do believe that, you know, the power of teens is, is much greater than um, going alone. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, uh, meaningful for, for many different um, <laughs> types of readers. Absolutely. Now you're also writing a couple of uh, adult books, one about grieving. Um, let's talk about that one first. Yeah. Uh, so this, this is uh, still in the works and, and I've written, um, you know, most of it, but um, what I wanted to do is, you know, through this, uh, one of the, the common um, refrains that I get from people, um, uh, you know, the, you, you, after they say, I'm so sorry for your loss, they usually say something along the lines of, I can't even imagine. Um, and some people have even said, I don't even want to imagine, uh, given that, you know, no parent wants to imagine that, you know, their, their child could, uh, could die. Um, but for, for me, that, that saying is, it's really hard, um, you know, to, to hear because I don't really know what to do with that. I, I don't know how that's supposed to actually make me feel comforted um to tell you the truth and um, i said that to you in the beginning of our interview and i, I apologize for that um, <laughs> yeah but yeah but it's, it's an awkward moment because you don't yeah. we you don't know and so it's yeah. hard to know how to say that yeah and, and what one thing that i've learned in in this past year um i've learned a lot as as i've gone through the grieving journey is that society in general doesn't really uh process grief that well um we don't really know um you know how how to process grief especially those that that are you know, uh, the tragic variety. Um, whereas in contrast, you know, we, we put weddings and, 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 uh, you know, gender reveal parties and, um, all, all of these things on, on pedestals, you know, all, all the, you know, the positive things in life. However, when, you know, when someone really needs help and when there's, there's, you know, um, the un unspeakable happens, uh, what I found is, is that, you know, there's, there's, tends to be this ambivalence or, or almost this, I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to do. So I'll just ignore you. And, um, and, and that's, you know, tough It's it's very difficult to, um, to experience because you would expect, and, and I would expect some of my best friends, uh, to really be there. And, and, mm -hmm. um, and what I found is that a lot of people confuse distance for space. Um, they sound the same, but they're very different. Um, you know, when, when we say space, it's really about uh, giving someone a platform, giving someone um, the opportunity to express himself or herself, um, you know, all of the five stages of grief, the denial, the anger, the shock, and, you know, the, the, the emotions that come with it. Um, what I found is that uh, a lot of people just aren't comfortable with that, um, whether to protect themselves or whether it's, it's like they don't want this to happen to their own kids, so they, they don't even mention it. Um, they just would rather give us distance and stay away and, and not contact, not text, not call, um, which is, you know, hurtful. And, you know, uh, it's, it's not, you know, obviously um, it doesn't change the situation itself, but what I've learned is that there's better ways um, that society and 
friends and family in particular can, uh, can be a better source of support, can be a better source of help um, just by showing up and, and just by a simple checking in and, and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you or I think about Aviva, um, your, your daughter, um, because that makes it feel that we're not alone. Uh, the grieving journey is a very lonely one. Um, you know, you kind of walk it by yourself. And even my wife and I have had different uh, grieving journeys, um, very different grieving journeys. And, and, um, and what I would say is, is that, um, you know, we being, being society can really do a better job of, of really embracing those and comforting those that, uh, um, that go through this. So. Sure. I, it, it's tough though. I mean, I, it's tough when you're on the, you know, I, I can speak for having, when I lost my parents, there are some people that just stay away from you and there are other people that can be comforting, but it is an awkward time for them. And it, it, it really shouldn't be about them. It's more about you and how they can help you. So the whole yeah. thing just kind of gets confused. It's not an easy situation for anybody. Yeah. It's, it's that the awkwardness and the fear that they would say something that's upsetting um, yeah. and, and it, or, or do something that, that upsetting. And, and what I would say is, is the act of not doing anything at all is actually the more upsetting thing. You know, obviously I've heard them all. Uh, I've heard, you know, you know, she's in a better place or God has her, you know, now, and, and it's better than, than being here. Like, like just, just different sayings that, that are just, um, or, or the other one is a common one is, uh, you know, you're so strong. You know, I can't imagine you're, you're so strong. It's like, what, what, what else am I supposed to be? I'm, I, I have to, you know, still keep living, you know, for my family, but, um, there's no other way that I can, um, you know, uh, go through this. And so what I would say is, is the act of not doing anything at all is actually, um, you know, stands out a lot more. And, and you did say you had friends that, that were there. Um, what I would say, the commonality of the friends that have checked in and, and some have come out of the woodworks, people I haven't talked to in 10 years, um, you know, getting in touch and, and checking in. And what I've found with them is, is that they've tended to all have lost a loved one, um, you know, whether that's a parent or a spouse or a child, um, you know, they, they really know, um, what that grieving journey looks like and, and how lonely that is. And, and, and we, as human beings, every single one of us will go through grief, um, at one point or, or the other. And, and, um, I guess there's different time periods of life that we learn about it. Um, and, and I've certainly learned a heck of a lot this year, more, more than, than I ever wish, wish to know. So sure. Well, that'll be a valuable book. I'm sure people will can use it for sure. Because, you know, if you can help ease somebody through pain, it's a lot better than just disappearing and not not being there, as you say. So I certainly yeah. will be interested in checking that out. And you also the other one is called Dad Hacks. Yeah, just just before we get to that, um, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of, you know, one one thing that someone had told me was, um, you know, when when you lose that, there's a saying that's, you know, when you lose your parent, you lose your past. When you lose your spouse, you lose your present. And when you lose your child, you lose your future. And yeah. that saying, you know, couldn't be more horrible uh, to hear um, because I, I don't believe I've, I've lost my future. I don't believe that Aviva has lost her future either. And so um, going back to the children's book, uh, you know, one of the intents of that is, is really to give, Aviva, you know, that future and, and let her actually impact, you know, positive impact a lot of these uh, kids that she will, will, you know, eventually and hopefully touch um, in a positive way. And I, I think 
you know, when we think about futures, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person has to physically be here. And I think she has um, much more to say and do uh, and impact others. And, and I'm going to be a vessel, going to be a channel uh, for her in life um, to really spread her message and, and, you know, to parents spread the mes- message of uh, cherishing your children and, and really leading by love, cherish your children, cherish every single moment that you have with them. Um, because, you know, for me sitting here today, I wish I, I could change her diaper. I wish I could get up at three in the morning with her when, when she's you know, not, not able to sleep. Um, I wish you know, she would throw a temper tantrum because all of those things that you feel are inconveniences as a parent, um, it gives you a whole different perspective, um, you know, being uh, on this side, unfortunately. Um, every single parent, they want, uh, when, they, when they take their baby home for the first time from the hospital when they're born, they just want their, their child to have a better future, um, have a really good future. And, and for me, now that my daughter's not here physically, um, all I want for her is to be remembered um, and really through that, having that, having a really good future. So, well, you've um, done a beautiful job with that book and, and, and that's certainly going to be a great memory when people see the dedication and, and, and that's a part of it. So, you know, and it, it's tough to talk about that and then turn the, the transition to dad hacks, but I want you to be able to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's um, this book has, has kind of been in the works for, for a while. And so my, my oldest uh, son is, my oldest kid is, is going to be five uh, in about three weeks. And so I started writing this right around, um, right after his birth. Um, and it, it started as, as a collection of, um, kind of messages to myself, almost, almost, um, more, more diary kind of format and, and kind of telling my future self, like, this is, you know, these are the things that have helped that have worked, um, in terms of, you know, uh, Make, making the whole process of parenting a, a lot more fun and hopefully easier as well. Um, you know, what, what I would say the biggest, the biggest advice I give to, to all new parents and especially new dads is patience. Um, I think yeah. parents is, you know, parenting is a whole new, um, you know, world of, of really understanding or your limits of patience, like what, what you actually can uh, accept, you know, from not only your child, but also yourself, your spouse, Etc. You know, um, there's there's that's something that you really have to kind of um, increase and grow. But dad hacks, um, it's not just about that. It's it's just a whole collection of different. Um, it's basically a hundred different hacks that can uh, be used to um, to just help uh, you as a father or you as a parent um, to to do a better uh, a better job. And that's really subjective. But um, what I would say is. Um, we all as parents or mostly um, hopefully all of us would say that parenting is, is our most important job. Um, yet how much time and effort and resource do we actually put into understanding uh, that job? You know, when we get like undergraduate degrees or master's degrees in, in college, um, you know, we, we're learning a, a specific trade or a specific topic, but with parenting um, as, as your documentary reveals, you don't have to have a license to be a parent. And, uh, you really don't um, have any manual. There, there's no, there's no guidebook, and there's no you know, rule book, and there's tons of different ways to be a parent. Tons of different things that can work. What I would say is, um, at the very core of it, if you lead by love, 
um, if you really have that, that patience, um, establish that respect, that rapport, um, you know, with your son or daughter, I think that is the, the most important thing. And so a lot of the, the, the topics are, are really about that. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's presented in, in a more creative uh, fashion. So, yeah. And in, in my film license to parent, I mean, obviously people don't need a license, but it, parenting may be the toughest job in the world. Anybody can do it. There's no requirement. You don't have to pass a test. So the definition of the of parenting almost should probably be changed because it's what you do after the child's born that makes whether or not you're the parent. You know, you can adopt a child. You're not the birth parent. You could end up being a much better influence in that child's life than the birth parents were. So it's it's being there. It's doing that job every day. And and it's tough. T- kids mm-hmm. will test you at every level. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, just coming back to you know, full circle to open dreams. It's, it's really, you know, that environment that you create and, you know, that tabla rasa that you're, you're given this child, um, you know, whether you adopt them or, or whether it's your natural child, um, you know, what you do in this, that first really five years, the first six years is, is really a formative experience because after that kids go off into kindergarten and grade school, then their influencers become, you know, their friends and their, their teachers and, and then others. And then you gradually just, um, you know, don't have as much time and you, you have a whole, you know, different dynamic with, with your child. But, um, I, I think, you know, establishing respect in a loving way, um, not in a, um, my, my mother is, is, is Filipino. And so she was, uh, this Asian tiger mom. And so, uh, she was more of a dictator, uh, type. Um, there's a lot of notes that I made to myself that's, that's not what I want to be like when I'm a parent, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it also doesn't mean you're not having any guidance and not having any rules um, because that that's, that's the whole opposite side. So there's, there's, there's a medium, there's a balance of, of trying to establish, you know, what are the norms, what, what is right, what is wrong. Um, and, and really giving your child for me, it's, it's about building confidence and, and really building um, their self-esteem and confidence, because I think that, um, ultimately is, is the most important trait that you can really help, um, guide your child and, and, and giving them love is, is one of the big ways that you can do that. So Hans, if you had to give people advice, somebody that might have an idea or something they want to do that they think can make a difference in the world, but they're just, for whatever reason, they're just sitting on it and not doing anything. What would you tell them? Yeah. What I, I mean, taking, I guess, taking a business lens actually to this, um, the first thing I would say is, is really, you know, talk about it, um, talk about it with your friends, your spouse, your, your colleagues, um, you know, see if it actually makes sense and see, you know, when we have thoughts in our head, um, they can be just a, a, a pinball arcade of, of, of ideas just bouncing around. I, I have them all the time. Um, I have them in the shower. I have them, you know, when I'm sleeping, but, um, but what I would say is, is there's different ideas that surface to the top, um, that you think you're, you're passionate about. And that's, that's very important. You should be passionate about what you're doing. Otherwise it will show in the work that you do and it will show in the, uh, amount of time that you actually spend, uh, on it. Um, but, you know, trying to find that right product market fit. Um, does it, does that actually make sense? Is there a market out there for it or are you, you know, just catering to your own needs? Um, I, I think that's the other thing. Like, is, is there actually a need for this? Um, because the best businesses and, and, or ideas really come from a needs-based uh, perspective rather than a wants-based perspective. So if, if it's just something that 
you think people will want to have. Yeah, it might work if it's really, you know, really extraordinary, but if they need it. And, and so like in, you know, for, for education, for instance, for open dreams, you know, people certainly need uh, to have that, that ability, that platform. Um, there's other businesses in, that I've done in the past, you know, and, and if I, if I were to kind of say what's worked and what hasn't, it's been the, the need-based businesses have been the ones that, that have worked and, and those that were just more luxury type um, or optional type is, are, are not, not the greatest, but um, talking to people, getting feedback, getting surveys, uh, trying to do tests or demos of it um, is, is really important. So um, yeah. So awesome. That's, that's great advice. The, the want versus the need, you know, mm-hmm. people need something. It's going to be a lot easier to, to get it out there. So what's the best way when we now need you, what's the best way <laughs> to get in touch and find you? All right. So uh, the best way to reach out to me is through Aviva's daddy. Um, that's on all my handles. So A V I V A S D A D D Y. Um, that is on Twitter. That is on Instagram. It's also Aviva's daddy at gmail.com. Um, but you can also reach me uh, via my website. Uh, so Hans Kuhlberg.com, H A N S K U L L B E R G.com. You can also see, you know, all of the, you know, cool things that Aviva is actually doing uh, as well. So um, some, some cool stuff there. Well, Hey, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your, your wisdom and your experience. And, and, and I think that book's going to be important to, especially, I mean, the, the, the children's book is awesome, but the one about grieving and just to be able to help be a support for people, it's very, very important. And I yeah. appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, no, and, go, and going back to needs and versus wants, you know, I, I've read a lot of grieving bro- books from parents and, and re, you know, really recounting a lot of their own experience and a lot of their own children. But a lot of times that intended audience has been for other um, bereaved parents and, and not necessarily for, um, you know, the colleagues, the friends, the family of them. And so um, that's that's the audience for for this. And, and it's, it's a much wider audience. Um, but I would say that uh, I, I think, I haven't read something that that's really touches on that subject, but um, I think it really is is needed for for all of us, um, you know, parents that that have lost a child. All right, thanks, Hans. Appreciate you. Okay, thanks so much, George. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me come on. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's Move the World podcast. I would really value your feedback as to what you think of the program, guests you might want to hear, what you might want presented differently. Any kind of feedback would be welcome. Just drop me an email to movetheworldfilms at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.